Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. About to talk to our Royals insider, Josh Bernier, who I bet is glad he doesn't do a sporting Kansas City postgame show. They lose 7-2 to to a bad team. Maybe like the Royals losing like 30-1. to Maybe if the Royals lost like 10-4 to maybe in Colorado. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm just glad. Bet Burns really glad he didn't have to do a soccer postgame. And I like Vern too, but I wouldn't listen to it. And I really, really, really like Vern. But uh, Josh Vernier, Rills Insider, joins us now. What's up, Vern? Yeah, I don't know anything about the beautiful game. Um, no. So I, w- I would be a pretty bad host for a soccer postgame show. Actually, you call baseball a beautiful game, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but of course, soccer is known worldwide as the beautiful game. That's what people call it. I don't. I think baseball is. I don't either. Um the beautiful game, but I call football the beautiful game. Yeah, yeah. You also you call a lot of things the beautiful game. Uh, chugging contests, uh, wing eating contests, uh, all of those things in the Binkley world are considered the beautiful game. And this is true, Vern. This is very, <laughs> very true. I appreciate that. But yeah, no, I just saw that score. I was like, whoa! That's the first thing, honestly, I thought of when I see my my phone when I got another day. I said, what in the hell would Vern's <laughs> That's good. Look at that. Bink, you get updates on your phone about sporting. I get updates on all the local teams. Good for you. But it said seven to good two. Good for you. I, I like, bet you, uh, I, I, unless unless an individual, you know, outside of maybe Rob Breton and Josh Klingler, I, I can't imagine anyone else is getting updates on their phone <laughs> about sporting Kansas City. They should. Um, look at that commitment. Look at that dedication. Man, I, w- I was hammered, too. And I thought I saw it wrong. Man. I was like, no way, man. No way is there a soccer score seven to two. And I thought, yeah. just go back yeah. to bed, idiot. You're drunk. Well, were you were you tanked on a Friday night when the Royals won 14 to 10? Did, did that also uh, knock you on your backside? No, I just enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. I enjoyed it over nice water, you know. I can't uh, I can't do the things I used to do anymore. No. The, yeah, I got None of us can. Yeah, I'm not even supposed to drink what I did yesterday, but uh <laughs> well, you got to stop it. Yeah. You only live once, Bert, I've learned. Exactly. You're here, it, might as well Yeah, you, you take advantage of it, but That's uh right. I, I, we're, I'm I'm challenging Grant here. Okay, I want to know if you could do this cuz Matt Spiegel um works I think with Danny in Chicago, but yeah, he's doing yeah. this I, podcast. We run those commercials all the time. The, the uh, we have to pick a guy to get beat a hit the every day, beat the streak. Now, yep. question can you have the same guy, or is it got to be different? No, you you can ride the same guy, okay, <laughs> right? As long as, <laughs> uh, as long as you want, yeah, you can ride the same guy as long as you want. I, I tried beat the streak, I think back, uh, maybe what 10 years ago, uh, never really got that far. It's very, very. Very difficult. What you need to be is either a gambler 
um, you know, a, a daily gambler, uh, or you need to play fantasy baseball, like daily fantasy baseball. That's the only way to have any sort of confidence in your pick. Like if you just tried to, I'll pick a Royal every day because the Royals aren't going to get no hit. Oh, man. Even that's going to be difficult because. How long could you well, go? Right, right. Um, personally, I, I would like to think I could go a week. Um, but but that would be difficult. Again, I mean, the reason why you that. can win $5.6 million is because they don't believe anybody's going to get it. Me and you and Dusty ought to do that instead of our home run for a week. Uh, I'm doing it with Grant. I picked Witt today, and, and I got looked at because he's on a five-game hitting streak. So yeah, I think he makes a lefty. What's, what's that? And they're facing a lefty? Yeah. So yeah, I think maybe. he goes six. So if we're going to do it with Royals for a week, I'm going with today. Merrifield, one for seven lifetime against uh, today's starting pitcher, Austin Gomber. Well, that's not good. How about how about this? No. Uh so my Holtzy notes this morning from Dave Holtzman at Bally's. Uh, this is what the Royals are against today. Rockies versus left-handed pitching. Daniel Lynch going for the Royals, who's a lefty, by the way. At 309 batting average, first in Major League Baseball, 455 slug. That's third. And an 817 OPS first. They like left-handed pitching. And I it's the rubber match, man. They need to not lose two out of three to each team on this road trip. And here's the Rockies that are lefty slayers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say in response to that. I mean, unless we want to get really negative right out of the gate. Um, listen, no, a, be I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving Daniel Lynch uh, any sort of excuse. I you know, Daniel Lynch to me is is – one of the few players that actually instills hope for this 2022 team. So, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not waving any white flag when it comes to Daniel Lynch's performance. Uh, but with that being said, I'm also not going into this game looking at Daniel Lynch to lead us to victory, just like I wasn't last night with Carlos Hernandez. If the Royals are going to win this game and get out of this just awful, awful run of baseball that they're on over the first 31 games, if they're going to get out of it, it's on the guys that got him into this. Merrifield, Salvi, Dozier, Taylor, Lopez, the veteran hitters that this organization last year said, we believe in you, we're doing this again. Same lineup that finished near the bottom of the American League last year, we're running it back. And Merrifield has been awful for a majority of this season. Um, you know, Benny's been good, Dozier's been fine, Salvi, Salvi last night hits a home run, his first home run in the last 19 games, right? Almost three weeks of baseball, doesn't hit a home run. He does last night, and he still has two times the amount of home runs as anyone else on the team. We know Adalberto Mondesi's lost, uh, Michael A. Taylor, Nicky Lopez. I'm not looking at Daniel Lynch or MJ Melendez or Bobby Witt Jr. and saying, you need to get us out of this hole. Man, I, I, I think I could go back to spring training when J.J. Piccolo told me uh, this season's success is going to be predicated on the improvement of our young starting pitching. Well, Daniel Lynch has improved. Uh, Brad Keller has improved. Uh, there's, there's no doubt uh, Carlos Hernandez, Chris Bubich have been disappointing. Um, but it's not as if those two pitchers are the reason why this team's staring down the barrel of being double-digit games below 500 before the second half of the month of May. The reason is because of these veteran bats. 
They need to get this team out of this funk. They almost did last night. Man, I was going nuts when Salvi hit that game-tying two-run home run in the top of the third. But what, what crushes me, Bink, and I'm still having a tough time moving past it, was Royals tie it up 3-3 in the top of the third. Carlos mm. Hernandez gives it all back in the bottom of the third. And <laughs> yeah, Royals runs. find themselves Royals find themselves down four. And then the offense just goes into a shell, almost as if they were beaten in the bottom of the third inning. 18 of the final 20 Royals hitters are retired. You never really threaten. You only get two more hits over the final six innings of the game. I, I don't. Th- th- this team, a Mike Matheny ball club, they don't quit. Uh, but whatever that was last night after that four-run bottom of the third by the Rockies' offense against Carlos Hernandez, whatever that was from the Royals' offense last night was uh, as disappointing a display of baseball as I've watched all year. How disappointing is Carlos Hernandez, though? That ERA over nine now gives up the nine runs. I really, yeah. I really had high hopes for him, to be honest Me with too. you. I he mean, was one of my three X factors. I thought... I thought the Royals had a chance to compete for the postseason if Daniel Lynch, Carlos Hernandez, and Adalberto Mondesi were able to meet or exceed expectations. Now, we all know Mondesi's done for the year. Uh, we, we believe Carlos Hernandez uh, might not get another start soon. Um, we'll see what Jonathan Heasley does in, in his next outing, which which might come on Tuesday, but, uh, you know, I saw all over social media and the text line last night questions coming in about uh, is, is Carlos Hernandez out of the rotation? And listen, I certainly can't make a case that he has earned his spot in the rotation. Really, even going back to spring training, wasn't very good in spring training. Um, but his four pitch mix, uh, his velocity, his the, the, the movement on his off speed stuff. Even if you take Carlos Hernandez out of the rotation, you cannot replace him with another pitcher with the kind of upside that Carlos Hernandez has. So going along with what you're saying, okay, fine, bring uh, Brady Singer, let Jonathan Heasley have that spot. You can all freak out because Jackson Coar had one nice night at Omaha last night. Go right ahead. (laughs) None of those guys have the upside of Carlos Hernandez. None of those guys, in my opinion, can truly team up with Daniel Lynch and be a true top of the rotation one-two punch. It's uh, the fact that Carlos Hernandez possibly leaves this rotation uh, is not a good thing because uh, much like MJ Melendez ascending to the big leagues, it's not as if they're banging the door down. It's by default. We just need you. Yeah, I'd like to see a lot more MJ Melendez. I, I, I really like yeah. him. Vern, we're sitting here. It's mid-month. I don't even know what day it is. It's like, what, 15th? 15th. Yep. So, so we're getting close to that. Uh, everybody always says June 1st. You know, June 1st, yeah. tell me what team you have. So th- there's still time. This is when they got to make that up because if they're going to do yeah. anything and we're going to know anything about this team – you got 15 days till we get to June 1st to figure out who the Royals have. Are they starting to maybe swing the bats a little better? We've seen Salvi's average crawl up. He got a sixth home run yesterday. Bobby got his second. Whit Merrifield's on that five-game hitting streak. Ben Attendee keeps doing Ben Attendee things. I mean, is the bats maybe starting? Again, Whit's still hitting under 200. I get it. I yeah, get it. Yeah. But you've sensed that the bats may be heating up. The problem is this pitching is it doesn't matter how much they heat up, they're still probably going to lose by scoring seven runs. Yeah, well, score seven runs, and then we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, Royals OPS, 28th out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball. 
27th out of 30 teams when it comes to runs per game. The Royals averaging just over three and a half. Again, uh, Granke, Keller, Lynch, uh, these guys have done the job. I understand you need a number four and you would love a number five in the rotation, uh, but this offense is the culprit. Am I seeing anything? uh, You know, you you see signs here and there, Salvi hitting the ball the other way. Uh, You know, Dozier has probably been the most impressive bat. Yeah. I know Andrew Benatendi has the great batting average, but it's a it's a lot of singles. This team is desperate for extra base hits. You know, that home run that Benny hit the other day broke a tie he was in with Edward Olivares for extra base hits on this team. He's he had four prior to that home run the other day. So uh no, the, this this team needs doubles, this team needs home runs, this team needs to look like a big league offense. So for as much uh negativity as 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 there may be around this pitching staff, to me it all comes back to the offense and it all comes back to the bats that you and I have been watching for almost five years now. Dozier and Witts and Nicky and Salvi, uh, that core, those are the guys that need to get them out of this. But but to your point about how, uh, you you know, you, you look to June 1st and let's say we got 15 more games. Royals are nine games below 500. What, what what do you think they can do over these final fifteen days in the month of June or in the month of May? Like what what are you expecting? Because to me, I I said I had to have a winning road trip. I needed the Royals to win five of these nine games to prove to all of us that they're not the worst team in the American League, and they're not going to be able to do that. Uh, at most, they can win four of these nine games, and if they lose today. Uh, you can't argue the fact that they're the worst team in the American League. I know Detroit is right there with them, but the fact that it's a debate is as disheartening as anything I've watched on the diamond so far this season. So uh, honestly, man, uh, I I said it last night. I said it going into this road trip. If they don't win five games, I'll have no defense. And that's where I'm at right now. So so wherever the fans want to take these post-game shows, if you want to make them about trading Andrew Benatendi or Scott Barlow or Brad Keller – I have no defense. If you want to talk about bringing up Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino and playing for the future with the way that this offense is swinging it, uh, with the absence of two of the five spots in the rotation, I have no defense for this team. If, if you want to look ahead and start developing at the big league level now 32 games into the season, I have no defense. You know what? I say yeah, I'm to the point now, and I know that Prado had a lot of strikeouts early and stuff like that. I'm with you on Pasquantino and Prado because here's the thing. If you're not going to win this year, you know, do it like 12, 2012 and 11 where they had training wheels up here where the expectations were low. We all know that when you came up here in 14 and 15 and 16, they expected you to win. Those guys in that locker room expected you to play and help this team right now. But you know what? I'm tired of looking at AAA numbers. You know, do it here. They need to learn yeah. to do it here at right. the major league. So I'm at the point now. Bring them up, see what they can do at this level, because I think it's more valuable than Man. going up and tearing up AAA pitching. Isn't that crazy, though? I know. Man, we're, we're, we're 31 games into the season, which means uh, what we've watched, we're going to watch another 31 and then another 100 games. And, and you and I, man, I, I respect your baseball knowledge. You understand how long this season is. You know the necessity for perspective of a 162-game march through the summer. And yet... Both of us, who I think pride ourselves on being even-keeled when it comes to baseball, 31 games in and we're already willing to turn the page to 2023, that, man, 
that's shocking, right? I mean, uh, we didn't do that in, in, in 13. I don't know. Maybe you guys did that in 2012. I got, I got here right after the first few months of that 2012 season. But, you know, if, if you, if you want to bring up Pasquantino, you, you, you want to bring up Prado, again, I, I have no defense to that. But you look at the lineup today, Carlos Santana's in there, and, and I understand why he has very good numbers against left-handers. Uh, he should be a left-handed uh, pitcher uh, platoon. We, we, we should really only see Carlos Santana in there against lefties. Um, but if we're going to play for the future, uh, Carlos Santana must be a platooned bat. You know, we, we got to see MJ Melendez every single day. and He's in there today, um, but I need to see him in there every single game. Uh, he can't be taken three off in a row like he did earlier this week. I think we're getting now to that spot of, you know, Mike Matheny's trying to win every single game, um, but they're not winning, you know. So, so it brings me back to the, 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 the conversation of if you're not winning and you're not developing, well, then what the hell are you doing right now at the big league level? And, you know, that, that's where I'm at right now. You, you, yeah. you, you better start winning or you better start developing because whatever this is, 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 is getting nothing accomplished. To me, it's a big opportunity with the White Sox coming in for, for, uh, uh, for yeah. four, the Twins three. Five. Because, or five with the White Sox. Yeah, because the yeah. doubleheader. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so, so five with the White Sox and three with the Minnesota Twins. Here's the thing. We talked last week, and you know the Twins and the White Sox had won seven out of ten. I mean, they were on a roll, winning streaks. They're, they're back kind of pedestrian. The Cleveland's you know, 500, the White Sox are back to 500. The Twins only four games over 500. So they're back to being beatable and not on the big run that they were on. But do something against these teams. Do something against the White Sox and Twins. And the, the whole thing. With but training. can you say that with a straight face right now, Bink? I mean, I, I, it, it, you, you know Kansas City sports fans, and they're not stupid. Hey. I can't sit there and say, all right, here's the time where you turn it around well, you know when the first 31 on the games Sox. have said no. You know my feelings on the White Sox. Well, you want to fight them, I'm sure. No, the Royals just find a way to spank them. And I, well, they, I, I don't well, know what's going to happen. The whole thing with the training wheels I was saying was, in 11 and 12, it was about bringing guys up and letting them play here. And if they failed, it was okay because the pressure wasn't there. And then in 14 and 15, they were a good baseball team. So you got up here, you were expected to win. You know, yeah. When Brett Ivener came up here, hey, you're expected to hit. If not, they'll get rid of you quickly, and that's what they do. But you, if you got called up to Kansas City – they needed you. They needed you because they were a winning team. And yeah. if they're not going to be a winning team, let them learn here instead of there. I think that did benefit the Royals. The guys like Cosmer and Moose, those guys come up and fail sure. for a while yeah. and then turn things on once it started to gel. And I think the Royals do have a good core going forward. So you might have to thick, flip the switch say, okay, how good a team are we? Are we going to be a playoff team or not? And if not, let guys learn at this level. At least that's something. You mentioned that White Sox game, and if I can promote myself real quick, yes. um, I have a pair of tickets for the Royals and the White Sox Tuesday afternoon at Kauffman Stadium. Um, maybe Brady Singer on the hill for that game. I'll be giving those away uh, on three strikes. So uh, one fifteen this afternoon. Awesome. Uh, one fifteen will play three strikes prior to the two ten first pitch. So if you want to win Royals White Sox tickets. Be listening to the On Deck Show starting at 1 o'clock. Well, I'll be listening as I always do, Vern.
So uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. You're gonna have fun. Uh, five games with the White Sox. Man, it's it's crazy thinking of a five. It's like a Triple A series. Five six games. Yeah. Three. What are they? Yeah, what, and what the is, stupid nine inning doubleheader, day what, night doubleheader. Just yeah, they have what, baseball six, can't get out of its own way. They have what six games. Um, Series now in Triple A because they're cutting yep. back on everything else. Yeah, so yep. Games yep. They don't play Mondays. They play uh, Tuesday through Sunday. Honestly, it's something similar to what I would do with Major League Baseball. I'd play six game series. You'd play Thursday night, Friday night, a double header on Saturday, and a double header on Sunday. You don't play games on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Stop trying to get people to come to the ballpark. They're not going to do it. Yeah, I always like it because uh, these long series because it starts getting real chippy. Right. Towards the end. They, yes. they start getting real chippy. So by the end of this White Sox series, we might see a fight. And I've been waiting for that. Yeah, you and my wife. You, you two have never <laughs> met two people that love uh, baseball <laughs> fights more than you two. <laughs> All right, Vern. Talk to you later. We'll, uh, we'll be listening at one for Vern's on deck. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go, Josh Vernier, right there. When we come back, Brett Veach was on with Mike Florio and talked about. Uh, yeah, the cornerback, the reason why the Chiefs went so heavily at defensive backs. Plus, I'll address a text on uh, my Alex Smith take next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to Bank Sunday, Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson. It got dark again. Was this the uh, the next wave of storms coming through? Because this morning, man, it's dark. It was like nighttime. It was almost like you're doing a night show, where I usually do, instead of a morning show. It was really weird. Been really dark. Brett Veach was on with Mike Florio, as they said. These guys have been doing the rounds. And I thought this was really, really interesting about... And everybody had the Chiefs trading up to get a wide receiver and never thought that was a great idea. It was about defense, but I didn't think trading up for an edge would be there. I think having Carl Loftus and getting him where they did at 30 was great because if you're going to trade up for it, that would have been one of the guys to trade up for, but he kept free falling. So they got the guy that 
could have been maybe worth trading up for. But getting a corner was a smart move by Brett Veach. This is what he told Florio is always, always having a plan to get a cornerback. We wanted to address the corner position. We, we thought there were some teams like Tennessee and Buffalo that would go corner. Um, we thought the DN group was the numbers played in our favor so that if we waited until 30, we just felt like there was numbers before and after that first round that would help us. Whereas corners um, during our process, we had a couple guys and we thought it would be iffy if they would get to 29. So we were kind of committed to moving up to corner the whole time, had dialogue with all the teams and, um, you know, we ended up staying on 19 because we wanted to keep 62. Then the Eagles made the trade and that kind of opened the door for us because I think they may have gone corner. But with them making the trade, we were able to double back with our conversation in New England and, and execute that. But it was it was really corner the whole time for us. And I think it kind of prompted Buffalo's move because then they moved up two spots to get the next corner. And I think had we just stayed there, I think both uh, McDuffie and Elam were, were gone. And, and um, so that was, I think, a strategy that, that worked out in our favor. And they hosed over Buffalo, and that's the funny part about it. I had that uh, bit earlier from YouTube where the uh, the Bills, you should have seen their faces once the Chiefs traded up. Because uh, I, I think, honestly, they wanted Trent McDuffie. They'll play it off that they wanted to get Kyrie Elam, and they showed video of him, and that's, you know, they were watching video of him. But I think they wanted Trent McDuffie. But the Chiefs, you know, they one-upped them. They went up and got that corner with them when he talks about Buffalo wanting that corner it's who they wanted to and Trey McDuffie was rated higher than Kyrie Elam so I think the Chiefs uh, the right decision uh, was made by there but very interesting the kind of gamesmanship and Brett Veach he's really turned into I think the GM you want because his last two drafts and we don't know again we think this could be a good draft I do really like this draft but we'll see at the end of the year I mean the proof's in the pudding you got to play first like last year's draft worked out three of the six picks because the Chiefs only the Chiefs this year got ten picks. They had six picks even the last five years, but three of those six turned out to be starters from the Chiefs last year in Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, and Trey Smith, and it was a home run. But you listen to the things he was saying to Rich Eisen as well when I played that earlier about you know building this team for the future. And one thing he did say that I really think is cool is the fact that the Chiefs can be players in free agency in the future because of the Tyreek Hill trade that enabled them to have some flexibility to do things like that. Now, the text I was going to get into was, uh, was uh, it's wild you aren't a big Alex Smith fan. What's there not to like? He went above and beyond expectations. Well, it's not just me that wasn't a huge Alex Smith fan. There was a lot of people that weren't big Alex Smith fans. He did his job. He came in here. For Andy Reid, did his job. Did I, I didn't think he was ever the quarterback that Andy Reid really wanted because he couldn't do all the things that you expect a quarterback to do. He was fine, though. But mentoring Patrick Mahomes, I think, was the best thing he did. And I got a lot of respect for how he did it. Now, at the, at the halftime of that Tennessee game in the playoffs, had they switched to Mahomes, I think that would have been the choice to do. The Chiefs had the MVP in the practice squad Every day that year, and the next year he goes out and wins MVP. It's not like he just became good overnight. But I'm fine with Alex Smith. What he did was good, but is he the guy that's going to take you over the hump? Like Ryan Tannehill is good enough for Tennessee to get that one seed last year, but not good enough to go win a Super Bowl. And I always felt that way with Alex Smith. Great guy, did his job, but was he the guy to take you over that hump? I don't think he was. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes does it right away and gets the Chiefs four straight uh, AFC title games, two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl. That's what an elite quarterback does. 
Patrick Mahomes does what getting a quarterback of that stature does. Buffalo's hoping Josh Allen can do that with them. The Bengals are hoping Joe Burrow can do it. He's already taken them to one Super Bowl. And the Chargers have high hopes on Justin Herbert being that guy. But you got to do it first. Patrick Mahomes already done it. He's already won a Super Bowl. Like he brought one here. Didn't have it. That 93-94 season was the only time in my lifetime the Chiefs had made an AFC title game. The only time. And now they've gone a fourth straight. It's like a rite of passage, something they do each and every year. It's insane. That's what happened. having an elite quarterback will do for this organization. That's why drafting Patrick Mahomes is the biggest pick that this organization has ever made. Ron Kopp joined me about 9.30 today, and we discussed everything from the Chiefs' schedule to the comments Brett Veach uh, made. Have that for you next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Bank Sunday. Had an opportunity to talk to Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com earlier. And we started off talking about Brett Veach, some of the comments he made to Rich Eisen about building this defense young through the draft. This defense is young. Again, there's only four players on this roster that were here before my homes. But here's my, my conversation with Ron starting off with uh, that Rich Eisen comment. Ron, that Rich, Rich Eisen, I know you had seen it because you tweeted out about it as well, but uh, the youth movement has begun on defense. Yeah, no, definitely emphasize the youth on defense for sure. But to start it off here, I, I do want to tie in his quotes with the, the Tyreek stuff because I think you could even extend the youth conversation, even though it's not all about uh, like the age at, rec- at the receiver position, but just the inexperience. We got to remember that the entire receiving core pretty much is getting overhauled besides Nicole Hardman. Uh, Byron Pringles and Marcus Robinson and Tyree Kill were all playing more snaps at times than Hardman last year, playing above him uh, for majority of the time. And, and they're all gone. And so not only is it a youth uh, overhaul in defense, but we're going to have to get used to the fact that Mahomes is looking at an entirely different wide receiver core for the first time really in his, his career. He's always had Tyreek. DeMarcus has been there pretty much the whole time. Pringle's always been that kind of weapon for him too. Now he's starting pretty much all the way over. Because even a guy like Hardman, you know, we're, it's a projection for him to become 
you know, a, a legitimate receiver, I guess, or just more of that like Z or slot type that you think of as a Tyreek Hill maybe. You know, it's a projection. He's been a role player in his career so far. And I, I think he could still be just more of a role player. I, I think that might be what, what happens. But all that to say, I, I'm really interested to kind of see, you know, uh, not only the youth movement on defense, but just the overhaul in the receiving core and how it affects Mahomes. Because I think we've always seen Mahomes, you know, at times in the season gets a little uncomfortable in the pocket, maybe doesn't have the greatest pocket uh, management. We always – and we maybe kind of blame the, the uh, offensive line overhaul maybe in the last few years for that. What's going to happen when he doesn't trust the receivers he sees downfield maybe as much as he did before because he's just not used to it? You know, is that going to cause those same issues even if the offensive line is better? So it's just an interesting thought. I, I really think I'm uh, I'm interested to see just the, the entire overhaul of the receiving core, how it affects Mahomes this year. That's my takeaway from it. Yeah, you know what? In, in last year, you know, talking about just the differences between last offseason and this offseason, the uh, rebuilding of the offensive line, which they did, and it took him a little while, Ron. I don't know if you – when you looked at the offensive line, listen, they, they were, they're good players. Tooney, obviously a great player in the NFL. Orlando Brown, an established player. But he had played some left tackle, mostly right tackle with the Ravens. Comes from a run offense, uh, more of a passing offense here. And you had Creed Humphrey, the rookie. Trey Smith, the rookie. And it was uh, right tackle by committee. So, But it took him a while. I don't think the line really gelled, even though they were here in OTAs, even though they were here in minicamp. I don't think they really felt comfortable. I'm not sure Mahomes really trusted them till midway through the season. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think we could see a very similar thing in the receiving core. And, and that could definitely impact when we talk about the schedule that just came out and seeing how hard of a schedule they have, especially to open up, you know, historically one of the hardest uh, uh, by, you know, opponent strength uh, uh, record last year, one of the hardest in NFL history. You know, I, I do think that could factor in. And I think that's where you could maybe – especially with, when you add in Veach's comments on the defense, the youth, as you've already mentioned, all that could add up to maybe this was kind of Veach's warning shot is kind of flare shot saying, hey, look, like this team could be in a good spot, but with, with all this youth, all this inexperience maybe together, it could not be very pretty record-wise right off the gate, right? You know, you're playing a lot of good teams. You're playing on the road a lot for four to start the season. You know, they could be in a pretty good spot, you know, how they feel about it. And they could still be at 500 halfway through the season. You know, it's just that's how hard the schedule is in today's NFL. You know, as, as much as the Chiefs aren't the favorite anymore in the Super Bowl and the AFC, they're still going to have that huge target on their back. And, and teams are still going to get up to play them every week. And the Chiefs are going to have to match that energy. And, you know, it'll just be, you know, maybe it, it might be easier maybe with a new influx of talent, guys that aren't bogged down by, hey, you know, we've been the successful team over and over, you know, new guys, you know, kind of a new energy maybe to it. But still, I, I do think, you know, Veach, Veach talked about, and, and that's where I'll uh, go into it here with the defense, man. There's a, there's a lot of exciting players on defense. But, yeah, there's a lot of y y young guys, too. And I just feel like that, that could really, you know, with all the offenses they're going to play in the division, all these good quarterbacks, you know, they could feel good about the youth on the defense next year. And it could still not lead to, you know, a great defense, a successful defense, just because they want to get all these young guys reps. You're losing guys like Hitchens, obviously, Tyron Matthew, obviously. And there's going to be some young guys on the defensive line they are going to have to play a lot more than they did last year because you don't have Jaron Reed anymore. We're going to see if Melvin Ingram is, is, is coming back. So, yeah, I just think overall, I think this might have been Veach's little warning shot saying, hey, guys, even if, even if you know, we look like a good team, be prepared with this schedule, with all this youth on the team, this inexperience together, it might not start off super well with, with the way the schedule is going, maybe. And when you look at it, like, you're right. They, I mean, they did overhaul this wide receiving group, but they overhauled the secondary as well. You know, they, yeah. they completely had to redo that from Tyron Matthew being gone, Traverius Ward gone. 
So I think they did that and the receivers. I don't know which one they did more. I feel more confident with the receivers because Mahomes was out there working, you know, working with them. Like Camp right. Patrick, he couldn't really work with the offensive line. You know, he had that. It was a wait and see and, you know, get in front of, you know, defensive linemen, getting in there, figuring out his timing, how much time he's going to have in the pocket, where's going to be the strengths of his offensive line. I feel much more comfortable with him getting acclimated receivers because he's down in Texas throwing the juju, throwing the MBS. He'll be throwing the sky more. I just feel like that's more controllable by him other than what yeah. the line was. So, like, that part gives me comfort. Yeah, that's a really good point um, because you're right, especially if you're comparing the defensive overall too. I mean, you know, it's not like Spags can get with these guys down in Texas like Mahomes can get yeah. with, you know, the receivers. So, I think it's a really good point. And, and that's the thing. Mahomes is going to make the receivers better. And, and just when I when you think about, the, the like, again, comparing the defensive backs, the defensive backfield turnover was pretty much all rookies, you know, all draft picks, right? Uh, pretty much, obviously, Justin Reed is a, is a, a veteran free agent signing. The receiver overhaul, you know, two of them were, were MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, guys who have played in, in, in high-powered offenses, understand what it's like to, you know, be a weapon in, a, in an offense that's putting up, you know, 30, 40 points a game at times. You know, both of those guys, under, you know, so it, it is a little different, you know, and, and, and that gives you comfort, like you're saying. And Mahomes, you know, he's the type of quarterback that, you know, it's a tie that, that lifts all boats. So all that to say, you know, and I, and I do think there's an offensive change that we're going to see this year in terms of maybe it isn't as pass happy when you don't have a Tyreek Hill in the receiving core. You know, maybe maybe you do kind of trust this offensive line to, to get, you know, efficient yards on the ground and, and really be more of a play action, big, sh- you know, shot type of uh, team. I just don't think defenses are going to necessarily adjust and just say, okay, Chiefs are run heavy now. All right, we'll just let Patrick Mahomes throw vertically on us all the time now because we want to stop the run. I think that's going to be the, the interesting part of all this is even if they want to change how they play offensively, I think defenses might still just say, look, we really don't want to want Mahomes to beat us on any given play. We're going to play it safe still. And so it's going to, it, it's going to be fascinating again. You know, if, if they really want to, you know, rely on the ground game, defenses might still give that to them. And that's just going to be, you know, interesting to see if they really want to, you know, be, uh, if they really want to be patient with that, right. And, and play the run game and, and again, you know, kind of, kind of compensate for the fact that they don't have the receiving core they're all used to, and they're going to be all be adjusting maybe right off the bat uh, to start the schedule. Talking to Ron Kopp, lead analyst for arrowheadpride.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Ron underscore Kopp. That's K-O-P-P. All right, Ron, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the schedule uh, was released, and I know that the first eight games, no team's ever played, you know, teams with winning records from the year before from Alliance Sports, and that makes it, whoa, wow, but the thing is, I never go by what you did last year because it's like last year, the Bengals. You know, you see the Bengals on the schedule, like, oh, it was a four-win team the year before, you know, and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl, right? But the Vegas odds one, I think you can put a little more stock in where they do have the toughest schedule by projected over-under wins. But how did you come out on the schedule? Because I know if we're going to talk, be honest with it, three of the first four are on the road. This has been a good road team, but again, they're going to be tested. Mm-hmm. Then three of the first four in December on the road as well and that's something they usually have those home december games but overall when you look up and down the schedule what are your thoughts on it no you just hit it on the the nail on the head right there when i first saw that we we were going to have three or four to start the season on the road i mean that was before the rest of the schedule uh came out i was like okay well you know what that leads to a bunch of home december games you know they always treat and right in this sense it feels like the chiefs always get those late home games and they do have a couple in december but 
you just mentioned it right there. Three straight road games to start the month of December. And they don't have a bye week late this year. They have a week eight bye. It's the earliest bye week for the Chiefs since 2016. You know, they've always given Andy the late bye week. And so my main takeaway is they just didn't really give, you know, Andy Reid many favors this year. And I feel like they usually do. Now, I do I do think, you know, they, they get a little bit of advantage right off the top, right? Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season. You get them in that period. Also, I do think playing Thursday night in the season, I like that. I, I think, you know, it gets it out of the way. They don't have to worry about a short week when they're all tired, you know, week 12, 11, 13, um, you know, because that's how it was last year. You know, you get it out of the way. It's your home opener. You're playing at home. You don't have to go on the road for the short week. Um, I, I, I really like that, and I do think it gives them an advantage over the Chargers, who obviously, you know, early in the season, short week on the road, you know, coming from the West Coast. That's a little different, right? So there is a little advantage at the top, but overall, we already knew it was going to be a really hard schedule. But then there's these road stretches, man. Uh, you know, again, three out of three to start of December, but it's actually four out of five total in a, in a stretch if you go into November a little bit too because they play at L.A., then play home against the Rams, and then go on three straight uh, road games in December. So, yeah, man, it, there was a lot of tough stretches. We already knew that was going to be the case, but they did pile on a little bit in terms of the, the amount of road games in a row at certain points. You know, obviously the early uh, week, uh, the early week eight bye, Think about it like this, and Pete was the one who mentioned this on our Rapid Reaction show, and he did the quick math for us. If the Chiefs were to go win, you know, go to the Super Bowl, to do that after that week eight bye, they would have to play 13 straight weeks without rest <laughs> until that, you know, if, if they didn't get the one seed, I should say, excuse me, if they didn't get the one seed. So all that to say, man, it's a lot different than what they've had in the past, but hopefully this team with a little, you know, uh, youth movement, a little more energy, you know, that, that – that early week buy doesn't maybe uh, rough them up as much as maybe in the past where I really think it's the late week buy, the late season buy, I should say, is a really, really um, a huge advantage for contending teams. I think it's a really big thing that the Chiefs don't get this year. Well, it's a good point because November 20th, they're at the Chargers, then the Rams at home, but then on the road to the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Texans. The Texans don't worry there, but they, I know the Broncos are tired of, you know, losing 13 straight to the Chiefs. And, you know, we'll see if it gets to a point where, that that's a tougher game probably will be with Russell Wilson and we know Denver right. played the Chiefs good last year but Chiefs are 25 and 7 on the road since 2018 that's good 2020 they went 8 no on the road but I'll put an asterisk by that because that's where there was no fans essentially at some of these games yeah. it made it a little different but you know 5 and 3 on the road last year 7 and 1 on the road in 2019 so they went 15 and 1 two straight years there on the road with Patrick Mahomes so it doesn't really concerned me that but the, the, there are stretches in here man with the schedule three of them they're underdogs and um, you can catch that story over on arrowheadpride.com you guys did a great job of breaking down the schedules and where the uh, tough games are and where the ones you think that are winnable are I don't know if you've done a win-loss yet Ron or if you even you even attempt that some people don't do that some do uh, have you had fun with W's and L's yet yeah, I have. I have. I was tasked with a way too early uh, game by game prediction, and you know that's how we do it at Arrowhead Pride. You got to get the predictions out, um, put it on the record. So yeah. you know, going game by game, you know, it's it's so tough because obviously it's so easy to say, look, you know, they they're going to lose the games that we all think they're going to lose because they're going to win the games that we all think they're going to win too. I always like to get a little creative with it, you know, and and so I did end up at twelve and five, even with getting a little creative, trying to be, you know, look, you know, they split. I have them splitting each division series. I really think the division's that good. 
maybe even if they get 2-0 uh, and, and on one team in the division, they go 0-2 against another. Because I just think it's going to be that tough. And I, and I really do think it's, it's, it's going to be a success if you go 4-2 and in the division this year. I really think it's going to how hard it is. And so if you factor that in, maybe they go 3-3 three and three in the division to be conservative. That's two losses outside of the division. And with all the teams on the schedule, that's actually pretty optimistic. So all that to say is I went 12-5, and five and, I, and I think that may even be, you know, pretty optimistic for what the Chiefs in terms of what we already talked about, the youth movement this year, how hard the schedule is. Kind of just a transition period. And, again, I think Veach kind of maybe was hinting at it a little bit, like this could be more of a transition year than we'd all like to think. But that's just the truth. So I have twelve and five is kind of an optimistic record. And and look, trust me, we get maybe we get to the season. Mahomes is Mahomes. Andy Reid, Andy Reid. All of a sudden, they're still one of the best teams in the league, and we're all you know feeling dumb for being pessimistic at all. But at the same time, and it's so hard to win the NFL, and even a twelve and five record is, is still a good record for for a contending team. You know what? I did the same thing. I, I did this thing like three or four times. You know, I did it initially, <laughs> and I did it once when I was hammered. And they were fifteen and two, by the way. When that- <laughs> Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah I, I sobered up some, and then I finally got to 11-6, and six, which is still a good mark. Andy Reid averages over 11 wins a year. But I did this three or four times. I came up to 12-5. and five. So there's my conversation with Ron Cobb, and it's always fun to do wins and losses, figure out where you think the Chiefs are going to be. 12-5 is optimistic. 11-6, still a good record, I think. I mean, it's a tough schedule. And I'm not just going by next year's or last year's winning – Winning percentage is what you see because, again, just like the Bengals last year, only four-win team the year before. Next year, they go to the Super Bowl. So Vegas win totals uh, projected for the next season would be the best once Sharp football has the Chiefs as the number one hardest schedule in the NFL. But coming up next, something Brett Veach said that I think should make us all happy next season. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big Sunday, Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson. Royals, Rockies today. Game three of that one before the Royals head back. Five against Chicago, that doubleheader. And then three against the Minnesota Twins. Daniel Lynch on the mound today for the Kansas City Royals. NASCAR, Kansas Speedway. Looking forward to that this afternoon as well at uh, 2 o'clock. So we'll make sure we'll check out that race. Uh, I know Grant will be watching it. Well, I think Grant will be watching it, but I will. It's 2 o'clock, Kansas Speedway right here. I'll keep my eyes peeled. Yeah. I, I can't guarantee it'll be on TV number one, but I'll pay attention. It will be on TV. Yeah, but it won't be on my TV number oh, one. Okay. Right, not, not your TV. But by the way, Brett Veach said this earlier today, and this should give us all hope for next season. To entertain this trade, and, and when we realize that we can get multiple picks, a one, two, four, four, and a six, that this would be a way to hit draft and receiver, uh, throw a ton of resources on the defensive side of the football, and then also infuse money back into the cap, both in the short and long term, um, so that next year we can be a player in free agency. And so this route that we decided to take, it really opened up what we think are many avenues to improve the roster over the next few years. Brett Veach with Rich Eisen, throw money in the next year's free agency. So next year with free agency, when the whole spinning starts and the legal tampering period, get your seatbelts ready. Get your popcorn ready. Chiefs draft picks, young. They're grooming them. They got a young team, a young football team. Grooming up. Throw some cash. Get a free agent in here. See whatever they need. Maybe Sky Moore's the answer. Hey, maybe he's the answer. If not, throw another dart in free agency. The good news is they're going to have money to play with. And this year, the edge rushers, 
weren't there in free agency. They will have to address that next year. Frank Clark won't be back after this season. And Carlos will be in year two, so they will need to get edge. Thanks a lot, Josh Furnier. Join us. Thanks, Grant Nicholson, producing the operation. See you guys. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. There's no- Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.